millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, you're listening to a very special episode of Popcorn Pals, where I sit down with Chris McKay, the director of Renfield. Timmy Fland, movie buff, and this is Popcorn Pals, a popcorn podcast with Lee and Tim spin-off, where I'll be joined by a rotation of movie-loving legend guest hosts to discuss the latest and greatest new big screen releases. It's the same salty fun with some new flavours. So let's talk Renfield and then jump straight into my chat with director Chris McKay, shall we? So Renfield is a modern monster tale of Dracula's codependent loyal servant, Renfield, who is forced to procure his master's prey and do his every bidding, no matter how morally obtuse. But now, after centuries of servitude, Renfield is ready to see if there's a life outside the shadow of the Prince of Darkness. Renfield is directed by Chris McKay of The Tomorrow War and the Lego Batman movie fame, from a screenplay by Ryan Ridley and a story by Robert Kirkman with additional material by Ava Tramer. Renfield stars Nick Cage, Nicholas Holt, Aquafina, Ben Schwartz, Shore Agdashalu, Adrian Martinez, and Brandon Scott James. Now, Renfield is not your average Dracula film, as it focuses on the story you might not know all that well, that of his loyal servant Renfield. Set in modern-day New Orleans, we meet the titular character at a crossroads in his empty and unfulfilling life as he attempts to 
finally take control of his destiny against his narcissistic boss. Well, the best he can. Nicholas Holt plays Renfield, turning on his signature charm and endearing charisma as he faces the big bad of the piece, Nick Cage as Dracula, a role he was born to play, but more on that later with my chat. Now, Chris McKay is the director behind this action comedy romp, and I sat down with him to understand the itch he needed to scratch in telling this particular Dracula story, what Holt and Cage bring to their respective and iconic roles, and how an improvised line of dialogue from the film left him in stitches when I brought it up. The director also shares the potential origins of splash stick humour, how he loves to work with practical in-camera effects, and his love of genre filmmaking and what he hopes to do next. All this and more, so let's take a listen. Renfield. Bringing innocent victims. I want a handful of nuns, a busload of cheerleaders. I really, really enjoyed Renfield. What a ride. Oh, good. That's nice to say that. Thank you. Yeah, it was really fun. Now, brave, original, and unique. So that's how Nicolas Cage has explained his initial reactions to mm. reading the script of Renfield. What were yours? Yeah, I mean, I looked at, you know, I was looking uh, for something that would be fun to do in a challenge. And what I really liked was that Brian and Robert Kirkman took a really unique point of view on Dracula and making this movie about toxic workplace environment, codependent relationships, that sort of thing, toxic narcissism. That to me was a lot of fun. You know, the fact that they were going to, you know, that they took that swing, that, that was a lot of fun and made it made me want to, you know, participate in the movie. So yeah, I thought it was, a, you know, creatively challenging and, and looked like it was going to be a lot of fun. Did that new fresh take that you reference, you know, on a classic character like Dracula, did that help you navigate any, I guess, inner turmoil that you had around, does the world need another Dracula film. <laughs> yes, that was probably exactly what ameliorated my uh, sense that, uh, you know, the, the question, do you need another scene of the Dracula movie? I mean, the fact that it, like, you know, it was, that it was about Renfield and mm. not about Dracula, it was about the relationship that Renfield had with Dracula and, you know, Renfield kind of realizing, you know, that, that he no longer really needed that. He was stuck in a never ending bad relationship and that he needed to get out of it. I, I really liked that aspect of it, that he realized that he'd been the one who's gave Dracula the power in the relationship. And I thought that to me, that was a really important, you know, how the script developed. Obviously the character of Dracula is really enticing, but there's a real endearment to tell like the story no one knows about Renfield to give him a voice. But what was the itch that you needed to scratch as a filmmaker? Was it the Dracula part or was it the Renfield part or just that beautiful marriage of the two? Is it, well, it's a really good, that's a really good question. I mean, uh, the thing that was the itch that I guess, you know, needed to be scratched was that I wanted to shine a light on a character that in general, I love the way Dwight Fry played Renfield. And I always thought that there was something really tragic there and sad there. And it's done well in the Todd Browning movie, obviously. But most people don't know what a Renfield is. Like you say, Renfield, they don't know know necessarily what, what that means. You know, so being able to shine a light on that character and his dilemma and his relationship with Dracula um, and have fun with it, you know, make it a big sort of fun, funny movie. That was probably the thing. You know, it was, it was an emotional story. You know, it was emotional got about this guy who had been in this bad situation for so long. I was there was an NPR radio show that interviewed a bunch of people that worked for Scott Rudin, who was a Hollywood producer and um, 
had sort of come under fire for sort of being a, maybe not such a fun guy to work for. The, their stories about how the, their opinion of themselves, their self-esteem um, got all kind of twisted up in, in that job and where they started to believe that maybe this, they were sort of deserved this on some level that, you know, I know it's a comedy and it's, it's action movie and it's a horror movie and all that stuff. But there's something about that, that, that I wanted at least, a, you know, a, a tiny smattering of that in the movie that there's something very sad and, and also very modern, I guess, because it's something we're all talking about. Yeah. Whether me too, or just being, you know, kinder to each other. Well, let's talk about Nicholas Holt then just on that piece. So gosh, I love his work. I really, really loved him in the menu last year. It was mm -hmm. one of my favorite films of yeah. the year. He manages to balance being charming, vulnerable, like cute and quirky. And you just want Renfield to be happy yeah. and be free despite the horrible things that he also does as part yeah, of the, yeah. the JD, right? <laughs> and it can be yeah. hard for an audience to back a character like that, but Holt really nails it. What was it about Holt that led you to cast him as as Renfield in this very important role to nail? There's several things, but specifically, maybe I'll start with the thing that you're identifying that he is somebody that is, I don't think there's, there's any cynicism to his performance, mm. to any of his performances. I think that he's a, an open book, that his his eyes are, he's got, there's no walls up. You know, and so when you look into his eyes, you see exactly what's going on. He can be very childlike and fragile in some of his performances. And we, I think audiences want to, in spite of the bad things that any of his characters, because he's again, he's a guy who's also, he's unafraid to not be cool. He's unafraid to do things that are potentially unlikable or take on characters that are unlikable or weird or strange or, you know, who have done things, bad things. And we see them do bad things. So there's a fearlessness to him. But but again, it's I think it's the fact that he has no walls. He lets you in. His eyes are very re revealing and there's nothing guarded. Or like I said, where he's trying to put on. And you know, sometimes some, some people act in quotes. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes that's not what he does. Like he's really, truly there all the time, like there all the time. Um, he, he doesn't fake it at all. It's just he's in it and he's real. And I'd met with him once before on a different project and I'd always really wanted to work with him. I was a big fan of like warm bodies, big fan of, you know, him and Fury road. Yeah. And, you know, it's anytime he shows up, you know, the great, like, you know, the menu, like you said, he's just so good and just, uh, and unlike a lot of other actors. So for me, it was just exciting to, to, to work with somebody who had all those gears. And I honestly don't think that this movie, if you just, if you just cast a straight comedian in this thing, mm -hmm. I don't think it works. If you, if you cast an action type person, I don't think that it works. Nick is like a one of a kind. So yeah, it has to be him or, or you don't make the movie. One of a kind indeed is Mr. Cage. Now, <laughs> this line encapsulates his performance for me perfectly. Are you happy or are you going to fuck me up? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Right? <laughs> like... Yeah. In the blink of an eye, that's what Cage delivers to the screen. And yeah. that beautiful yeah. two-hander, that ongoing two-hander between Holt and Cage, you two Nicholases in the film. Is it now, forgive me, but is it too cliche to say that Dracula was a role that Nick Cage was born to play? No, I mean, I think he's always wanted to play. I think it's like, I think there's like Superman, Captain Nemo from Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues on the Sea. That's right. And Dracula are characters that Cage has always wanted to play. You know, I'm obviously very happy to have worked with him and happy to have gotten him to be able to do that. And he's so, he's such a joy to work with on set. He just, he's really enthusiastic 
about making movies. Like he's just approaches every day. Like it's a big fun game. It's very childlike, you know, like childlike in the sense that it's like when you first get a camera and you've got your friends and you're just yeah. like, you know, messing around in, in, you know, in your backyard or whatever, making a little movie. That's the way he approaches filmmaking. It's got that level of joy and that level of enthusiasm. And that is so inspirational for the for me, for the crew, for the actors and the scene. He's got incredible, you can create chemistry with anybody, creates chemistry with the camera. He's a wonderful person to work with. I love that you, you know, quoted Ben Schwartz's improv. Uh, oh, there. was that improv? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. That's so much yeah. cooler now. Yeah, Ben is amazing. You know, that, that's why you hired Nick Cage because... Again, there's another role where if you were to cast somebody who's just a straight menace or a straight, mm. somebody's going to be funny, something like that. You, Cage can do all of those things. He, he's, he, he brings human layers. He's always searching for human layers to Dracula. We never wanted Dracula to just be one thing. He had to be menacing, but he's also there's also comedy. He's also bringing comedy out of the situation. He's creating comedy out of the situation of the character and not sort of like bringing something outside into the thing. It's always about the situation, the relationships. And that sort of thing. And he, that's what he excels at. And he's just, he's a, he's a, he's a movie star and he's, yeah, but he, he he's amazing. He, and he embodies Dracula and he, he goes for it. Every take, no matter which direction we're going, we go 180 degrees opposite of what we tried on take one to take two. And he just, he goes for it. There's never anything where he's not doing 150%. You know, that's so true. I mean, it, it would be silly to try and pick out movies that Nick Cage has done where he's gone for it because he goes for it in everything i'm still coming down from the high of the unbearable weight of massive talent mm -hmm. like what yeah. a film dracula's look in this film is excellent and you know it's really satisfying with all the nods of past iterations of dracula that are peppered through but nick really has made it his own what are some of your favorite elements that he brought to the character of dracula yeah i mean he you know he brings a lot of movement like that's the big you mm. know movement the way he uses his body the shape of his body the way he uses his hands his fingers his hair like every every aspect he's always he, he finds something smart about the character and every single little nuance of whatever you know whatever you know again rings he was a big yeah. he was a big ring guy he wanted you know mm. wanted it's very specific rings and stuff like that i mean that's stuff that cage brought to the table some of the clothing was either clothing that either we thought cage was like or cage had a, you know where it's like we looked at his you know his wardrobe over the years and things like that and said this feels like something that nick cage's dracula you know sort of a rock and roll dracula you know would wear so yeah so there was a lot you know we, we had a lot of fun with, with that and and cage brought i mean again a lot of it's either directly inspired by cage where he's you know something he said or you know a cane a specific kind of candle on a mm -hmm. cane and some of it was just stuff where it's like just cage as you know one of our greatest actors and a lifetime of being a movie star inspired you know some of those decisions too but lisa lavas she's a costume designer and she's and alec hammond the the production designer really amazing, amazing work wow yeah they both were so clever and smart and just really good people to work with too like really good Loved working with them. They had no ego and just trying to make something really great. And that's it. That's all I cared about. Sounds like a good environment to work in. I love how you call it Nick Cage's Dracula. Like it's it's his thing. It's that lane. It's Nick Cage's Dracula. <laughs> yeah. It's not just Dracula. It's Nick Cage's. I want to talk about the tone of the movie because this is probably the thing that I loved most about it. And I've heard you in interviews use the term, and I'm going to have to be honest, I'd never heard of this and I really feel 
uh, lesser about myself because I'm like, how have I never heard this term? Slash stick humor. Oh, splat, splat stick, splat stick, splat humor, stick, yeah. splat stick. Is that something? I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself further. Is that a term that you coined, or where? No, is, no, no, this... no, no. I think I think like some Sam Raimi or something. Somebody describing like early Peter Jackson. Oh yeah, you know movies. <laughs> That a lot stuff like that. Like somebody must have said that there was for a time there was a, a certain horror novelist, sort of post Stephen King, were called like splatter punks mm-hmm. because they sort of like it was you know very juicy, gory novels and short stories, but had kind of like an edge and attitude. There's been sort of around splat sticks, splatter punks, things like that. Like there's been that kind of terminology to describe like movies that you know the the way that you know sam raimi or peter jackson would go for it you know but but go for it in a humorous way as well as it's like it's like at the same time as you're shocked you're also laughing at it a little bit so <laughs> you know that evil dead 2 and, and uh, dead alive are are two very good examples of like splat stick uh, humor 100 percent. i want to just dance around a few things here just to build on that the the makeup in the movie now i love the recent trend in films Right now, with the makeup and prosthetics, like really, really stepping it up. Mm-hmm. You reference Evil Dead too. Well, Evil Dead Rise is certainly one of mm-hmm. them. Violent Night at the end of last yeah. year. They're great examples of excellent visceral body horror, gory yeah. action. But then they sprinkle humor throughout. These absolute bangers. These one-liners that just kick in the funny bone. And also, there's a recent Aussie horror film called Sissy. I don't know if you've heard of that oh, one. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's excellent. Excellent. Now, your makeup artist, Christian Tinsley, was clearly having the time of his life here. I was in awe of their work, especially yeah. Dracula. It's all the prosthetics, the real in-camera stuff. Thank you for doing real in-camera stuff like that, because it just offers of such a unique experience for the audience. Obviously there's a time and place for our, you know, the VFX, you know, and all that kind of thing. But I really, I really love playing with the practical stuff as much as humanly possible. I mean, some of that comes from when I was working in stop motion. I mean, there's nothing like real things in front of camera, you know, things with real weight and real textures and, and, and real aging and all that kind of thing. Like, and, and working with artists who are really good at, at bringing all that stuff out and allowing you know, we could have buried Cage in, you know, a bunch of stuff that didn't necessarily allow his performance to come through. And I think mm-hmm. Christian Tinsley and his team are geniuses. But what they did very specifically that I really appreciated, and I think Cage really appreciated, is that they put a, some really great makeup on him and made him look completely unique and fun. And yet at the same time, gave him a lot of room to still emote you know so so he didn't look like him you know when he looked in the mirror he didn't look like himself didn't feel like himself had 30 pounds of makeup on his face body head but he was able to still produce a performance that he felt like my character you know my version of Dracula is coming through it's not just you know it's not just kind of stuff that's moving around and that's that's Mm. the real I think besides the fact that they designed a really cool thing and executed on that design in a great way they also left room for the actor to be able to perform. And that's key for me. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm always going to try to do as many things practically as humanly possible. There, there are obviously limits, but like, you know, yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it as, as practically as, as long as, you know, as long as I can make the budget and schedule, that's all, that's all that matters to the studio. And so I'm going to keep yeah. pushing, doing practical stuff as much as I can. Thank you for waving that practical flag, but also want to wave like a, a limb, an arm, 
as well because there's pl- <laughs> there's plenty of those going on. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb and say that the apartment complex fight scene must have been a lot of fun to film. And I can yeah. I can hear you in the edit suite in the uh, VFX meetings going more blood, more blood, just more. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, we we that, that was a sort of a 50-50 thing where we did some of that stuff practically with the blood, and then some of it obviously we had to we had to do digitally. But that was a lot of fun. And Chris Brewster, who's the stunt coordinator and second unit director, one of my two second unit directors, did a really great previs for that. The board artists contributed to the previs. Christian Tinsley contributed to the previs by showing us some demonstrations of like the face rip and things like that. So we edited this thing together with Chris Brewster's choreography and sort of his, the pattern, the play pattern that he'd sort of developed in there. And then some, some additional stuff that I wanted to do that the board artists sort of helped put, put in there. And and Chris figured out how to do that. Then Tinsley came in with, with a few sort of, you know, face rip Renfield, like disarms a guy that's not in the movie. Renfield disarms a guy and pulls, pulls the skin off his hand and then throws the skin back in the guy's face to knock him out. Like there's (laughs) Couple of things like that, that that didn't make it in the movie that that the, the guys did. They're really great little little moments. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, please put that in the director's cut. I'll be there with my popcorn, <laughs> ready for that one. I want to pull out a line of dialogue far out that that shouldn't work, mm-hmm. but somehow it does. And it's all about the balance of tone that you and the team have really nailed here. It's can you order me a number three? The toilet just ordered a number two. <laughs> you know, like, how do you sit there in your director's chair and go, oh, will I shoot this? Will this work? We'll mm. just figure it out. Like, yeah. how do you come to, no, we've got to get this. We've got to get this. It's going to work. We'll see how it comes together. You never know if it's going to work. Uh, that's for sure. You know, especially in something like this where, you, you know, we are navigating a few different tones. Adrian Martinez, who played Chris in, in the movie, I, I, I knew that he could pull something like that off. <laughs> part, part of it, you know, it's got, it works because the actor was able to make it work is something about Adrian and just his, his delivery. And of course, you're also doing that in the middle of an, you know, there's sort of a suspense moment. You're building up all these sort of character triangulating yeah. all these characters and stuff like that. But to do a little one offline felt worth uh, doing and fortunate that, you know, in, in previews of play for the audiences. So, yeah. Yeah. I lapped it up. I lapped it up. I was shocked, but very satisfied. I thought, where'd this come from? It's bloody brilliant. Now, obviously Dracula lusts after blood. There's a headline we all know. And I myself, and this is what I'll be doing as soon as my wonderful chat with you, Chris, is over, I'm going to get a coffee. I'm a coffee guy. Mm. What is the craving that you have that you always give in to? Wow, craving that I have, probably like cheesecake or peanut butter cookies, I think, are the two the two things that I probably, um, if I'm around a piece of cheesecake, it's probably going to get devoured. And <laughs> the peanut butter cookie in the house, it's it's gone, you know, in, in, in minutes. So yeah, th- those things don't last long around me <laughs> good to know now thank you so much chris for your time I, I really appreciate it you've done animation a couple of times now you've done a big action blockbuster and now a dracula film what do you want to dip your toe into next yeah that's a good question i mean you know i i, you know, I want to try to do as many things that are original or or something you know ri- original takes on stuff maybe you know like, i'm try- always trying to find something that's at least original something challenging before tomorrow war i was developing a bunch of different things. I was developing the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I was developing a, a movie called Borderlands, which is Lionsgate is going to put out in, I think, next year, top of next year. So once I took Tomorrow War, a bunch of things I was developing all got sort of pushed off to other filmmakers because the studios want to make those movies. So right now, I, I'm just kind of searching for a, a script that's really going to speak to me. I love working 
in in genre. So I'm never, I'm probably never going to leave like sci-fi, fantasy, horror, you know, thriller stuff like those. Those I love genre movies, and I love genre where there's mixed stuff. You know, where where it's it's sci-fi movie, but it's sort of like you know for for Tomorrow War, but it's like sci-fi. It's a Wonderful Life. You know, this is like mm-hmm. Dracula, but through the lens of a you know codependent relationship. You know, so there are there are sort of mixing certain elements, and that's what I'm probably going to be looking for. That so probably going to be searching for a while, trying to find what the what what the next thing is. But uh, yeah, I'm still haven't found it yet. Well, I'll be waiting to buy my ticket to see your next film, Chris. Thank you so much for your time, and I can't wait for Aussie audiences to see Renfield really soon. Thank you, thank you very much. Really appreciate that for listening. Some call me the Dark One, others the Lord of Death. To most, I. Well, I had the best time talking with Chris McKay and I can't wait to see what project he chooses to tackle next. His filmography really showcases his range as a director. So I am excited. And Nick Cage fans are really going to love his interpretation of Dracula and the commitment he brings to the role. Renfield really is a fun time at the movies. I encourage you to go and check it out, friends. I hope you enjoyed this special interview episode of Popcorn Pals with the director of Renfield, Chris McKay. I'll have more like this coming, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a thing. Renfield is in Australian cinemas from May 25. And as always, friends, thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.